Welcome to podcast number 53 for Thanks for Your Service. Our focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net and you can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. Ballarat is home to two significant monuments that commemorate the service of those who fought in war. Phil Roberts joins us to tell us more. Uh, Phil, thanks so much for joining us today. Now, The Avenue of Memories is a book that you wrote about Ballarat's Avenue of Honour and Arch of Victory. And if, if we can talk about the avenue first, what is Ballarat's Avenue of Honour? Uh, Ballarat's Avenue of Honour is a th- list of 3,801 trees and this makes it the longest memorial avenue in the world of that kind, of the kind where you have a tree and a plaque in front of the tree with the name of a person uh, there. So there are other avenues of different types, but of this type, it's the longest in the world. Do you know where the concept or the idea for the avenue being in Ballarat came from? Uh, I know for Ballarat itself, yes, I do know that, but I can just say that way back to the time of the Romans, uh, they had avenues. Uh, Napoleon had trees for the French army, for the shade and so on. So uh, in the, uh, Nebraska, they had um, the uh, yearly planting of trees and so on. The planting of trees had gone on before the Boer War. Had We have had five trees identified in Australia that would planted for the Boer War. So it certainly wasn't one of the first, but the idea for the Ballarat one came from a person who worked for the Lucas factory. Her name was Tilly Thompson. Tilly was the forelady of the Lucas factory. And when I say the Lucas factory, there were 450 girls um, or about uh, who w- worked for the factory with making women's underwear and cl- children's clothing and eventually they went into fashion. Um, but the Tilly, uh, as a forelady, had been to South Australia in 1916 and had seen an avenue planted at a place called uh, Mount Lofty near Stirling in South Australia. And she came back to Ballarat and said to the uh, people at a meeting, uh, they were meeting about Arbor Day, and the, the school heads and uh, the various community organisations were meeting and suggested that Ballarat plant an avenue. Now, that was only three weeks before the first planting. And in terms of the Lucas girls, did they have a part to play in the contribution to both the Avenue of Honour and the Arch of Victory? Very much so, yes. The... Uh, perhaps I'll go a step back to explain the Lucas connection. Mrs. Lucas um, had started her own industry um, with sewing needlework uh, with a small number of girls and eventually it grew to 16 and they would get second-hand clothing from some of the garment stores in Ballarat and she gradually developed this uh, this industry of uh, women's clothing. She had lost two husbands 
both from mining accidents, gold mining accidents. So she was a single mother. She lost one child, but she had uh, another three girls and a, and a son. So as in order to look after the family, she established this business, which grew into a factory. Her son, Edward, took over and he was entrepreneurial and he built the factory up. Uh, and, and so by the time of World War One, as I said before, there were 450 women uh, working, mainly young women, working in the Lucas uh, clothing factory. And um, they uh, were very much part of the planting of the avenue. Each time with the avenue, there were about 500 trees planted, or uh, I can make a variation of that in a minute, but most times there were about 500, and the Lucas girls would plant about 450. Now, coming to the Arch of Victory, uh, towards the end of the planting time, the, the Lucas girls were part of the one of the first women's football matches that has been held in Australia. The first games of women's football were actually played in Western Australia in the time of World War One, and again involved clothing factory people. And not long after, the to, they decided as a fundraiser to get funds for the Arch of Victory in 1918, just towards the end of World War One time, there was a football match between the Lucas girls and the girls from Melbourne in a clothing factory. And uh, it was held on the Eastern Oval in September 1918 there were 7,000 people, spectators, came to that women's football match between the uh, Lucas girls and the girls from Melbourne. Goodness. And uh, so it's very historic that that happened. And they raised, uh, I think it was £3,000, but they raised a, a considerable amount of money that went towards the building of the arch. Mm. Going back to the avenue, you said before that it is still the world's world's longest of that type avenue of honour of that type at twenty two kilometres. But how does it compare today to when it was first established? Well, that's a very good question, a very good story because most of the other there were I'll just um, digress a bit. Most the majority of the avenues of honour in Australia were planted in the western part of Victoria, and most of them over time deteriorated um, because they weren't looked after well. The thing about the Ballarat Avenue of Honour, there's been a very strong, and they actually call themselves Archer Victory and Avenue of Honour Committee, so they put the Archer first. Um, there's been a very strong committee. It was actually formed in 1931, and the chair in 1931 was Edward Price, the previous owner of the Lucas factory, or he was still the owner of the Lucas factory. The, the Lucas factory finished in 1968. And the when he died, or was getting towards death at the end of the Second World War, around 1946, his son Keith 
became the chair of that committee. And Pete was the chair to about the end of the 1960s. And for 10 years, there was a councillor, Walton, who was on the Ballarat Shire Council, who was chair of that committee. So that was the only time uh, up until recently that the chair of the committee wasn't a price. Now, Keith's son, Bruce, was chair of that committee for 40 years. He chaired it from the late 1970s till recently. And another person, Gary Snowden, has taken over around 2019. So there's been a continual um, um, presence of the Price family. The committee that was built up when I was a bit, I went four times a year they met and I was an observer. So when I was going, this is during the time, 100 years from World War One. there would be, 22 or so on the committee, maybe 20 or 19 would attend. A very well-attended committee would go four times a year, half an hour and a half. Um, it was very well chaired. We would have a lot of presentations from people. It might be the city of Ballarat. It might be a planning firm of some sort. Uh, we would be getting reports about how the avenue was going, um, new initiatives, uh, signage, um, replacing trees and all of that sort of thing. So that's why it is significant because the tree, this avenue has been maintained really well since it's been planted. And every year, three of the committee, um, it's uh, Bruce Price, the current chair, Gary Snowden, and an arborist, Ross Squire, they actually walk the 22 Ks, taking notes about where plaques have been lost or they've fallen into disrepair or where trees need replacing. And they make notes about this and make sure that it's uh, dealt with. So e even today, that, that the committee is still it, strong and the maintenance is still, yes. made, still ongoing. Now, so Yes, there's been one recent change, um, and we'll see what happens in the future, but through government legislation, um, previously the Avenue of Committee was reasonably independent. Now it's become an advisory council to the council, and the council actually uh, maintaining it. So it just depends, I suppose, how well the people in the council look after it. Mm and the advisory committee, how well it operates, but it hasn't got the same power it did have uh, three or four years ago. Mm. If we pivot to the Arch of Victory, so the foundation stone for the arch was laid in 1920, I think February, by General Birdwood, and uh, it was actually opened by His Royal Highness Edward, Prince of Wales, and there's a photo that you have in your presentation that he was... Uh, gifted or given a presentation of silk pyjamas by by the Lucas girls. Now, what's the story behind the arch? Okay, well, there's a few stories. <laughs> All of this, uh, you know, I was, I was researching for about six years, so there's plenty of stories. But the story of the arch 
Well, with the pyjamas, uh, it was decided that each girl would put at least one stitch in the pyjamas, these silk pyjamas. So uh, 450 of them did a little stitch in it some way or other, which is pretty interesting, isn't it, if you think of trying to organise that. But the building of the arch, they didn't have an architect. It was really done by the bricklayers and the the building guys and as they went, and they made a very solid construction. Um, there were about a dozen of them that were involved, and it only took four months to build it. It's got a little alcove in the top where people can actually climb up to. Um, the It was quite remarkable they didn't have an architect, um, but they were very successful in that way. It was very solid, the, the, what was built and uh, was over the highway. At the time, It was the, the road went both ways, but around 2011, it was changed to one-way traffic through the arch and one through a side road was built, which is part of the western, um, or of, it's called the Burrumbeet Road. It had been the western highway. Now we have the western highway um, from the 1990s as a separate freeway. That, that doesn't go through the arch. But um, this main road, it's a continuation of the main street, the Barrett Sturt Street, goes through the arch one way. And it had a very, in 2011, had a very big renovation, um, making sure that everything was functioning very well. You know, put scaffold up and spent a lot of money on it. And that um, renovated arch was opened by the... Uh, um, Quentin Bryce, the Governor-General at the time, um, and was quite a big deal for the local community having the arch refurbished. Now, Ballarat contributed quite significantly to the war effort for World War One. Can you tell us a little about that? Yes. Um, Ballarat, compared to Melbourne and to other regional areas, had a very strong military tradition. Um, in the schools especially, um, Ballarat High had won some trophies for, uh, for their cadets. Um, Ballarat College had a very strong military tradition. Not so much at the Catholic schools, but St Pat's did have a, a military tradition, even though it was a Catholic school. Um, so, And the there was a, a local militia and right through from about uh, 1860s, early 1860s had been formed and it had quite strong leading officers um, with military backgrounds um, and in, including the editor of the Courier, Major General Williams. Um, so as a society, it did have quite a... Um, focus on military attainment and in World War One, at the time of Anzac three of the four brigades were led by Ballarat men um, Pompey Elliott uh, who's you know, very famous in yep. World War I um, Wanless um, who actually was killed uh, and the third one was um, I'm trying to think of his name straight off. Um, he, he had actually got all the troops together 
um, I just glanced at my book to get the name. Um, the the third general, uh, they were cur- they were colonels at the time, lieutenant colonels. Mm. Um, now, what's his name? Um, almost came. He he um, he had rounded up the troops when war, war, war had uh, began. Um, and, and went to Queenscliff. Um, just get my name here. But anyway, three of the four brigades were Ballarat men. Mm. Um, here it is. Uh, Bolton. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Colonel William William Bolton. Should remember that name. Yeah, so Bolton, um, Pompey Elliott and... Uh, Wanless, and Wanless was killed. Yeah, so th- there was a tradition in Ballarat of uh, the militia, um, volunteer militia, and so a lot of the, especially when two, the both those schools, Ballarat High and uh, especially Ballarat College, a lot of the people... Um, who had had some military training became officers, and the percentage was uh, quite high compared to other places. It was David Wanless, the one that was killed, mm. the lieutenant colonel, and he had a, bro- a brother, Harold Wanless, who was in the war too. Um, yeah, so there, there was a, a lot of um, Barrack College. Um, there, there was a lot written about the officers coming from Ballarat College. It was only a fairly small school at the time of World War One. It only had a bit over a hundred students, but um, majority that were able to actually volunteered um, in World War One, and they had a very high percentage of the of those that volunteered were officers. Now, your book, Avenue of Honours, uh, correction, sorry, your book, Avenue of Memories, was the winner in 2019 of the Victorian Premier's History Award, but the book is very hard to come by now. Yes, it's a, for, my, for me as the author, it's a bit disappointing because around the time when we won the award, and I'll give you a little story about that in a moment, but around that time, um, we'd pretty well sold all the books. Um, the, we had um, mentioned in the index and, and with the, the, uh, within the book all the families who had trees, that the names of the relatives that had the tree plus their family name was there. And we printed 900 books and nearly all of them had gone by the time I'd won the award. So when people down in Melbourne were asking me for a copy of the book, I had to apologise and say, well, I'd love to be able to give you one or get you one, but they've all been sold. So um, maybe in time they'll become valuable, Um, but right at the moment they're not easily easy to attain. Mm. But the the little story uh, that's worth telling, um, I was down in Melbourne in 2019 at the awards. I can't remember which month. It might have been September or it could have been October 2019. The um, 
public record office and the Royal Historical Society sort of co-hosted them. There were about 400 people. We were at the Arts Centre and the chair of the current chair, Gary Snowden and his wife Marion were there with, and I was there with my wife Geraldine. And they had seven different sections for the awards and some of them were like websites, so they weren't all books. And I thought we'd probably be in the history section, but when the history section came up, it wasn't mentioned. So up on the screen, all these publications were being put up and my book didn't come up at all. And my wife said to me, we'd been there for over an hour with all these awards, you know, the seven and people making speeches. She said, they've forgotten about your book. Yeah. And I thought, oh, what's going on? Anyway, it was the very last one that was announced and it was called the Premier's Award and it came with $5,000. So well it was done. a really big, uh, you know, like uh, we I wasn't aware of that at all that they had this extra uh, award or, or extra money too. So it was a really exciting sort of happening. <laughs> and the, you never know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> congratulations. And the um, City of Ballarat have a, a good website, uh, ballarat.com vic.gov.au forward slash forward slash art centenary will post that link uh, for the podcast so that contains some details about your books plus some photos of the Lucas girls and um, his Royal Highness the Prince of Wales also at the opening uh, of the Arch of Victory. Phil thank you so much for your time today a really interesting topic to have a chat to you about thank you. Thanks David I appreciate it. That's the podcast for today. We're keen to hear your feedback. And if you're listening to us via iTunes or other podcast apps, please leave a review. Your review helps others find our podcast. And you can help support this podcast via Patreon or buy me a coffee. The links are on our website and Facebook page and your support helps us with the production of this podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.